Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got Graham. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report? I hope this finds you well here on this Monday. Greetings from Atlanta, Georgia, where I'm with the basketball team as the Pelicans continue preseason play tonight against the Atlanta Hawks. We'll also take you inside Studio B where we'll catch up with others regarding yesterday's win for the New Orleans Saints. Overtime against the Buccaneers, 37-31. I'm Sean Kelly, and again, thanks for joining us here on the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. It was a busy weekend for our two teams, and good news to talk about for sure in that Saints win and a Pelicans win against the Miami Heat on Saturday night in Louisville, Kentucky, the first preseason game of the year so we'll talk about both teams extensively today we have a very busy monday for you as a result of the action over the weekend and we'll cover our things on the basketball side by looking back at the miami game with some highlights and we'll also get to know one of the guys in camp trying to make an nba roster that's vernon macklin that's a great story for the young man who hails from virginia finished his college career at florida and he's one of a couple of guys kind of on the fringe on the outside looking in but with certainly a chance to make this roster or perhaps another NBA roster by his play here in October. On the football side, we'll look back at yesterday's Saints win over the Buccaneers. That moves them now to 2-3 and three going into the bye week. John DeShazer, senior writer for NewOrleansSaints.com, is here to break down the game for us and also take us into the Monday morning locker room. And uh, we'll uh, share uh, or we'll get to J.D.'s thoughts and his visits with both Cam Jordan and I think Kyrie Robinson today as well. And then, of course, uh, after a big win, we want to hear from head coach Sean Payton. He visited with the media this morning here on campus, and we'll play that session for you here on today's Black and Blue Report. So a lot of good things on what turned out to be a crazy weekend in sports, not only in Major League Baseball, not only in the NFL, but college football, too, and here now the beginning of the NBA preseason. So much going on, so much to cover today, and so we will not waste any time. Take a quick break and bring in John DeShazer to start talking about yesterday's Saints win over the Buccaneers next. Fans cheer on your Pelicans as they play their final preseason game against the Dallas Mavericks at the CenturyLink Center in Bossier City on Thursday, October 23rd. Prices start at just $9 from www.ticketmaster.com. While in town, enjoy the opening weekend of the State Fair of Louisiana, our numerous casinos including the world-famous Horseshoe Casino and Hotel. Check out hotel packages for the game and other things to do at shreveport bossierorg or call 888-45-VISIT. The New Orleans Pelicans are taking flight, and you don't want to miss any of the action. The Pelicans' five-game flex plan presented by Domino's is the opportunity to pick the games right for you. Ticket plans are the only way to guarantee seats to the biggest games, including the matchup against LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Plus, each plan comes with a free Domino's pizza. Five-game packages start as low as $45. Call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to score your five-game plan today. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. 
still to come on the Black and Blue Report. Plenty of Pelicans talk today. They get set for the Atlanta Hawks tonight. We're going to get to uh, visit with Vernon Macklin today. Uh, but the, here, of course, in Studio B with us on a Monday is John DeShazer, senior writer from NewOrleansSaints.com. As the Saints, as we mentioned in the first segment, victorious yesterday against the Buccaneers, 37-31. to It took a long afternoon to do it, J.D., didn't it? Yeah, a little, uh, a little extra work. Had to go to overtime to do it. Had to rally in the fourth quarter to get there. But, uh, you know, they showed a little bit of resilience. Now, obviously, dug the hole themselves and uh, and didn't necessarily like that. So that's one of the things they want to work to correct. But you know what? Sometimes, uh, as Kenny Vaccaro said earlier, you know, a win is a win in the NFL. You take it how you can get it. The mood in the Dome yesterday, what was it like as that thing progressed? Well, I mean, it started pretty pretty strong. I mean, Saints jumped out to a 13-0 lead, and, and then uh, as Tampa made its comeback and, and the Saints, you know, miscues escalated, then, then, the, then the natives got restless. I mean, there was, you know, a smattering of boos late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter when Tampa took that 31-20 lead. And, uh, you know, fans weren't exactly pleased with what they were seeing, and the Saints weren't exactly pleased with what, with what they were seeing on the field. So, yeah, it got a little. It got pretty tense considering the Saints jumped out to a 13-0 lead, and you thought, you know, there were visions that it'd be kind of a cakewalk. Maybe not the the beating Tampa took against Atlanta, but you know, certainly a, lo- a little more lopsided than it ended up. And then, you know, Bucks rallied and you know ended up getting three interceptions, and they returned one of those for a pick six. And and uh, had it not been some, for some for some penalties on Tampa Bay, actually, you know, Coach Sean Payton even admitted, you know, the the Saints would have been in a little bit of trouble had had Tampa not, you know shot themselves in the foot a little bit. No doubt those had an impact on yesterday's game. Um, and, and with regard to impacts on the game, how many lingering problems have the Saints been having stuck around yesterday? And how many things, I, I think, started to feel right about the Saints yesterday? Well, I, you still don't like the, the fact that there were some communication issues, obviously, uh, with guys you know, being able to, to get open. And you don't like the fact that there weren't, wasn't consistent pressure on the quarterback. Uh, that's something that has been a bugaboo this entire season. I mean, if you can't pressure the quarterback in the NFL, it's going to be a long day for you. And for stretches, the Saints didn't get to him. Now, when they ended up getting the safety, you know, Junior Gallette and Cam Jordan ran a nice little game on the right-hand side where Cam Jordan is inside, Junior Gallette's outside. Cam decides, you know, he's going to loop around outside, and, and Junior said, I'm going to go inside. And, you know, lo and behold, he gets a freeway to Mike Glenn and it ends up, you know, tackling him for the sack. But, you know, they're not getting the consistent pressure that you need from a top-notch defense. And I don't care who your cornerbacks are. I don't care if it's, you know, Keenan Lewis and Corey White. I don't care if it's Richard Sherman and, and whoever from Seattle. I don't care if it's Aqib Tlaib from Denver and whoever he's playing with. If you can't get consistent pressure up front, it's going to be difficult for DBs to stay with receivers in the NFL for three, four, five seconds. And so when the Saints don't get consistent pressure, it looks bad. You see receivers running free and everybody's like, oh, you got to cover better. A lot of that goes hand in hand with pressure in the quarterback. And that's one of the things that they still have not done consistently well. You do like the fact that they show some resilience, bounce back. And we're able to come back. Love the fact that the running game is still clicking the way it is. Uh, you know, Kyrie Robinson ends up finishing off the game with an 18-yard touchdown run in overtime. But the Saints run for another 100-plus yards, and they're averaging five yards per carry this season. So you love that fact. Uh, you like the fact that, you know, they're able to distribute the football around. You know, Jimmy Graham, who got injured yesterday, his shoulder. But uh, tight end-wise, Josh Hill came up, came up big again yesterday with some nice catches. And uh, you like the fact that Brandon – Brandon Cooks, the rookie, is still being used in this offense. They're still figuring out ways to get him in space, get him the football. But, you know, some of those minor things that you that you don't like, you know, the, the inability to get consistent pressure, as well as, you know, the penalties, and I wish they chopped, chopped down the penalties yesterday. But some of those things are, are rearing their heads, and you want to, you know, see if you can get rid of those, as well as some, you know, some, the sometimes missed tackles. You know, that's another thing. A good defense is a good tackling defense generally. You don't want – you know, those leaky yards, as, as Coach Payton says, where, you know, a guy catches the ball and, you know, he ends up with all those yak yards, the yards after the catch. You don't you want to minimize that situation. And they did a little better job of that yesterday. Tampa Bay only ends up with 300-plus yards, you know, low 300s. I think about uh, about three, 314, as a matter of fact. So they did a decent job in that area. So now, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, cutting down the turnovers because now the Saints have 10 turnovers this season and they've only forced two. 10, and you've only forced two. So that's a minus eight 
in the turnover category. And generally, when you turn it over three times in a game, especially for the Saints, if those three turnovers are Drew Brees interceptions, that generally has not meant good things for the Saints. So, you know, fortunately for them, Tampa Bay committed the 15 penalties, 413 yards. You know, they were able to get an interception off Tampa Bay. That helped as the Bucks were driving for, for what looked like a score and Patrick Robinson, much maligned. You know, that should be, you know, his picture would be in the dictionary by that much maligned. Huh? But he ends up getting a pick yesterday, the first interception for the Saints this season. And so some of those things you hope to hope to rectify over the bye week and hopefully clean up some of those problems. You're coming off of a win. You're two and three going into the bye. Should Saints fans be encouraged by what happened yesterday and how things have progressed? Or should there still be concern in your eyes? Well, I mean, I think a little bit of both. I mean, obviously there's going to be concern because it wasn't as clean a game as it could have been. It wasn't the runaway that it might have been forecast to be. And, you know, the expectation of when the Saints play in the Superdome is that they're going to beat people up and blow them out. Now, they've won 10 consecutive games in the Superdome overall. They've won, I think, 18 consecutive with Sean Payton as the coach. You know, 19 consecutive with Sean Payton as the coach in the Superdome consecutive so you know the 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 alarm is that you know it wasn't as clean a game as you like the encouraging thing is they were able to rally down the stretch you know 11 points down against an NFL team in the fourth quarter you know I don't I don't care who that team is you know it's still an accomplishment and it's something that you can build upon you know you have to look at these things realistically from 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 time to time and sometimes you have to say okay you know, is Tampa Bay a great team? No. Tampa Bay is a is a good team, that a decent team, that actually played fairly well yesterday. And so sometimes you just have to take it and build on what you have. You have to take small incremental steps, and yesterday could have been a small incremental step. I'm glad you mentioned the whole whether or not it was a clean win or should it have been more dominant. Because I remember after the Minnesota win, John, there were a lot of fans that were upset that it was – not a larger than 11-point margin of victory in that game either. Are we in some way, are we in some way, and especially the way the season's been playing out across the league, are we in some way overlooking or underestimating Minnesota, Tampa Bay, Cleveland, you know, some of these teams that the Saints have played in the first five? Well, you know what happens? Is it's cliche to say, and when players say it, you can, you can almost see people roll their eyes in, in disgust. But that other team has NFL players on it, too. Those guys get paychecks, too, and they are paid to figure out a way to beat you. And so, you know, yeah, the Saints beat Minnesota 20-9 to here. That same Minnesota team goes home the next week and blows out the Falcons, scores 41 on the Falcons. So are they that bad? Well, Tampa Bay, the team that got blown out in Atlanta, turned around the next week and beat Pittsburgh, and then they came here and played the Saints tough. Is Tampa that bad? Which team is Tampa? Well, they're not the team that you know, that allowed Atlanta to score 56. They're probably closer to the team that played, you know, pretty well here yesterday and the team that beat beat uh, Pittsburgh. So these NFL teams, just because they might be one and four, they might be two and three or something like that, they're not they're not exactly what people think they are. People have a perception. Fans have a perception. And the reality is these guys are grown men who get paid to play a game and they get paid to figure out how to beat you and they take pride in their jobs just like you do. John DeShazer with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Coming up in the next segment, we're going to play for you the Monday morning presser from Saints head coach Sean Payton. But also today the locker room was open here as we embark on the bye week. John, you were in there. What was the locker room like this morning? Well, I mean, these guys, they kind of felt like they needed to get to the bye because they're a little bit banged up. You know, Jimmy Graham got injured yesterday. Jonathan Goodwin, the center, ended up leaving the game. Patrick Robinson ended up tweaking his hamstring. He had to leave the game. Ramon Humber, the linebacker, ended up leaving the game, and none of those guys returned. So, you know, this gives the Saints an opportunity to kind of heal up some of those wounds, and certainly they like a whole lot better going into the bye week off a win as opposed to having to stew in a loss for a couple of weeks. Who'd you talk to, John? Uh, Cam Jordan would be the guy who who really expounded on that the best. I mean, Cam is, is you know you know he's a lively guy. You know you know you've talked to him before, and so we weren't able to get him after the game yesterday, but we certainly were able to catch up with him in the locker room this morning. All right, so let's do that. Let's catch up with Cam Jordan real quick. This is a Cam in the locker room here on this Monday morning with JD 
and the other media assembled at Saints Camp today. The end of the bye week on a good note. Just talk about finishing out yesterday and going into the bye week the right way. Um, as you just said, we finished it out the right way. That was a great team win defensively and uh, offensively how we uh, finished that game. Um, surprising, you know, that uh, uh, how resilient Tampa was and uh, how they fought back and came uh, came quick. Well, it was a 13-point deficit, and again, we had to uh, fight back as well and get, get that win. What did you learn about yourselves yesterday? Um, that you know we haven't played our best football yet, and uh, that's scary and exciting at the same time, of course. Um, that uh, we still have a lot to improve upon. As you guys go into the bye, do you extenuate the positive things you've done, or do you look at the negatives and go, well, we really need to get this fixed? I'm probably just going to harp on the negatives, just because I always want to keep myself uh, propelling to, to be better. So, um, you know, there's a lot of, in any given game, there's a lot of positives and negatives, but uh, I'd like to straighten out the uh, negatives first. You know, the bye obviously falls where it falls, but is this a situation where you win a game and you want to keep playing, or do you need the break? Um, you know, uh, we had a couple guys go down last week, uh, or, this, or yesterday, um, and uh, I think this week uh, will help them heal. You know, they get two weeks to heal, so we'll, we'll take the uh, the ten. For sure. What do you What do you do during the bye week? Is this a time where where you huh? take some time to kind of take a step back, uh, or or is it an introspective time? Like, I got no answers. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, do you, do you, I don't know yet. I don't know. I haven't decided. Like in years, still early. in years past, is it you need to take a day or two to like refresh and get away for a second? I mean, um, I normally don't make it home, and I usually go to like a cow game. That's like the routine. Um, I may just go home. You know, I've got a, uh, I got a new uh, niece, and she's like nine months old. So, I'm a family guy. Is that kind of kind of refreshing to get to see go go watch a cow game? I mean, just go back home, go see like a Ch Chandler High game. Um, try and catch a, a cow game. You know, uh, two great alma maters and uh, sort of that kind of guy. You like talking to some of the younger players? Uh, I always enjoy talking to some of the younger players, and especially when you're talking to high school kids, and they're all vying to be where you're at. I mean, it's always it's great to get back. All right, hey, John, Kyrie Robinson figured in, obviously, in a big way yesterday. Did you, did you get a chance to hear from him today as well? Yeah, we caught up with him today. You know, he was moving pretty fast yesterday, 21 carries for 89 yards. Both of those are career highs. He scored the game-winning touchdown, 18-yarder in overtime. Now, yesterday after the game, Kyrie, you know, the media was gathered around his locker. So, you know, he's a quiet guy. He doesn't like to talk a whole lot. So he kind of left his locker, and we thought, you know, okay, he's going to come back. Well, no, he disappeared, <laughs> but he did say he had family, and he's a shy guy, didn't want to talk a whole lot, but we were able to pin him down at his locker this morning. All right, here's Kyrie this morning after getting pinned down by J.D. in the media today. Uh, I mean, the play was called. I'm going to be honest, I wasn't even expecting I ain't going to say I wasn't expecting to score, but, I mean, I wasn't expecting it to happen like that. But, I mean, I was just doing what I was called to do, man, you know. It was a zone play. I seen the big hole, you know, Streif, Ben, Teron, all them had good blocks on that guy. So I just tried to pick a hole and hit the hole that I seen first. And so we ended up in the end zone. And what was going when you broke the tackles or when you saw the open, open grass, open turf? Or... Oh, when I cut up and seen that hole, I was like, I got to score. Then I ran into, I don't even know who the two guys was. I just looked on the ground. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> touchdown. <laughs> Well, with that, John, we'll probably say uh, adieu to you for a short time as the Saints now embark on the bye. Give us an idea, John, of, of how the bye works here for the Saints this go-around and when they pick things back up in preparation for that next home game. Well, players are pretty much going to be off beginning uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, and they'll be off through the weekend. They'll come back on Monday. Coach Payton called it a bonus practice. Uh, so they'll practice on Monday. Then they'll have the regular NFL Tuesday off and then go through the regular work week. So they'll do that. And the rest of this week will be pretty much dedicated to self-scouting and self-evaluation. You know, there are areas that need to be cleaned up, victory or defeat, and Coach Payton's always talking about those areas. So they're going to try to see if they can self-scout a little bit, clean up some of those areas, hopefully minimize turnovers and, and address the penalties, which they have seemed to have done a better job of, and hopefully correct some of those defensive miscues that continue to happen. And they want to try to take care of all those problems this week. Good stuff, J.D. I'm glad we're talking about a win this morning as opposed to the uh... – the other alternative man it could have been bad it could have been bad um you know when it was 31 20 with like 13 minutes left now you, you figure 
you know, okay, the Saints, you know, there's a shot here, but how do you get to it? And then they score the touchdown and and then, you know, don't convert on the two-pointer. And then it's like, okay, they're not going to have to score another touchdown. And then they get the, the bonus safety from the defense where really the fans played a huge part in that because they made it difficult for Tampa Bay to be able to get get into their offense and they you know Tampa Bay had a you know several penalties down on the goal line that basically backed them up to the goal line and that put them in position where the Saints were thinking safety now uh, Curtis Lofton was saying look we were thinking safety they're on the half yard line we figure it's going to be a running play we figure you know we'll shoot the gap and hopefully everybody just kind of sell out and let's get a safety junior said look we thought they were going to run the football. We had no idea they were going to drop back and pass it. So when he and Cam ran the game, he just ran into Glennon and nobody picked him up. But that turned out to be a huge play in the game because it it eliminated the the necessity for the Saints to have to score another touchdown. Then they were able to kick the field goal to tie the game to get it to overtime. Amazing. And I'm glad you brought up the fans. You know, I'm here in Atlanta with the basketball team. So yesterday, let me just tell you how hard it is to find the Saints game in Atlanta when the Falcons are playing at the same time. So we went over to a, a local establishment that had all the games on, and so we, we watched the Saints game with no sound, and the Falcons were, um, their game was progressing faster than the Saints. So listening to the Falcons fans moan and groan as the Giants beat the Falcons yesterday, and then having the Falcons fans, as they brought up the sound of the Saints game, openly cheering for the, for the Buccaneers, um, only to have the Falcons fans um, disappointed as they left was awfully enjoyable, to say the least. You guys were probably lucky to get out of there with your lives, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised they, they didn't jump better. to throw tomatoes at you or something. They're not, they're not as passionate as Saints fans. Let's put it <laughs> yeah, that well, that's way. true. That's true. Yes. All right, J.D., enjoy, and um, thanks again for coming by. Anytime, my friend. All right, John DeShazer with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to play for you the uh, Sean Payton Monday Morning Presser here on the Black and Blue Report. Gatorade knows every victory starts from within. It's the determination to come up big when it matters most. But no athlete does it alone. They need training and fuel to perform. That's how greatness comes from within. Win from within. Let's get the ball rolling for a thrilling time at the Sanderson Farms Championship PGA Golf Tournament, November 3rd through 9th at the Country Club of Jackson. For lots of first-class golf and fan-pleasing fun, join us for the Sanderson Farms Championship. It'll be quite a ride, unless you're chicken. For ticket information, visit www.sandersonfarmschampionship.com. Game on with NFL Ticket Exchange, the only official ticket exchange of the NFL, where 100% of tickets are verified by Ticketmaster. Buy and sell the NFL-approved way. Visit NFLTicketExchange.com. Together, we make football. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Welcome back to the Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Our coverage of the Saints continues on this Monday now with head coach Sean Payton. As promised, we wanted to uh, let you listen in on Coach Payton's meeting with the media this morning here on this Monday after a overtime win over the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers yesterday. Here's Coach Payton. Just finished with uh, our team meeting. Uh, we'll go through the tape of the guys. Uh, obviously, again, today's a lift day and a run day. And... Uh, we get some early work on Detroit. Uh, players will have most of the rest of the time, most of the rest of the week then off. We'll come back Monday, we'll have a bonus practice day and uh, and then get back on our schedule next week. Any questions? Sean, I know you guys don't believe in sinking players down, but on the touchdown run by Pierre, Jari Evans made two great blocks. And when players are looking at that in the film room, what's, what's the reaction from the players? Well, I think it reinforces, look, the, the importance of uh, finishing a play, and then and then there's a play later actually is going to come up where he's on the backside, and and so oftentimes you look at the point of attack in the running game, but generally the longer runs involve a receiver who's blocking pretty well downfield, and they involve you know uh, a tight end tackle and guard combination working well on the backside. So um, there's a handful of those plays on tape that are encouraging. Is, is that? 
Does that have a lot to do with how successful the run game's been this year, the, the blocking by the wide receivers? It's That's part of it. Uh, in order to get the – look, in order to be consistent and, and, and have the uh, the success you want, you know, defensively in this league, it's, it's pretty easy to insert that eighth player, that safety. And if you can't control the force or block the force or handle the force, you know, you're going to end up with two and three yard runs. Um, there's a few plays yesterday where, conversely, you guys see Vaccaro making a play in the running game at the line of scrimmage. And there's an example of what can happen if you're not blocking the force correctly. If you're not handling the safety uh, or the cloud, if you're not handling the back end, the defenses are good enough where, you know, you're going to be you know, dealing with a lot of second and eights and second and tens. So uh, we're doing a better job with that. It's not perfect by any means, but we're getting better. Do you guys do a lot of self-scouting this week? I mean, Absolutely. Last week we did a bunch um, coming off the, uh, the loss in, in uh, Dallas. Uh, we'll do the same. We have the ability now, or it used to be, where you had to you know, wait, file reports, and then get, you know, wait for a total. We have the, the technology now where it's kind of constantly in our lap updated, you know, and so uh, we'll look closely at what's been effective formationally, what are we doing by tendency, and the same thing defensively in the kicking game. Sean, this has probably been asked in a variety of ways this year, but when you're self-scouting, in general, what do you think is the biggest issue with uh, just wide receivers generally not having a lot of production, I guess, to total number of, of catches and yards in this. I mean, is that mostly defense-oriented, or is that? Well, we were just talking about the running game being more effective. There's a, you know, we obviously have have more than just two receivers or three receivers. Uh, some of it can be what's taken away. Um, you know, we go in with each game plan with certain players featured in a, in, a, in a route, and yet coverages can really change or dictate that. So there's probably a number of things. Sure. Does the bye week give you an opportunity, a little extra time to decide what you're going to do with the, with Bird's roster spot? Um, yeah, and, and look, we didn't have to work on or act on that immediately only because uh, whoever we sign would not have played in the game. And, and so you always, uh, when that comes up, you wait until the weekend's over with. You know, if there was an injury, for instance, that took place yesterday, uh, we might have, you know, used that spot to to fill that. So we'll, we'll look at it closely and, and look at what we want to do. Um, but you have time, yes. Is that my, maybe someone on a practice squad or someone could who's be. out there? No, it could be. It, it very well could be someone uh, on a practice squad from another team. Yeah. I know there's a debate sometimes back and forth. When, when, is, when is best to have a bye week early or late? For you guys right now, it's good because of the injuries, you think? Well, there were a few guys nicked up that I think we'll have back. Uh, I think from a timing standpoint that way, yes. Um, then outside of that, it's it's really out of your control, and, and uh, but it does fall right after we had a few guys nicked up yesterday. Is there a different feeling going into a bye week off of a win? I mean, is, is it obvious that you know the two and three as opposed to one and four, and what you well, we we talked about this last week when you when you come off a loss, uh, when you come off a tough loss, and certainly we did a week ago. You can't play quick enough. I mean, you can't get back to playing quick enough, and so. Uh, you know, everything the week after winning is, I don't want to say easier, but, it, you know, it's easier to come to work, easier to prepare, easier to get ready. And, you know, last week was a tough week. I thought our, I thought particularly defensively we, we had a couple good days of, of practice. Third down day, I told them on Thursday, was outstanding. I thought we were good on third down yesterday. Um, so we'll take this time, we'll get these guys rested some, and then come back Monday with a, a bonus practice day. Did you like the energy and sort of aggressiveness of the defense in this game as much as anything, it seemed like? Yeah, I thought, uh, look, that 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 uh, big series where we had them backed up was significant. It was the one time I felt like we had some crowd noise. Uh, I thought overall, uh, you know, we had the momentum early on. Uh, we had to settle for some field goals and then Fortunately, later in the game, our red zone efficiency offensively got better, but uh, but I thought that sequence was important. You talked about it last week, focusing more on what you do instead of what the other team right. does, and, and did you feel like you know, that played out well? I thought we played. Job the, yeah, that? I thought in, in, in some in some cases we did a very good job with that. I thought we defended the run well. Um, you know, we still gave up some big big plays in the passing game. I thought the turnovers offensively are something that we've got to look closely at in, in cleaning those up. 
I thought the running game, particularly when we needed it late, was uh, was big. It was good to see Pierre play well. Uh, you know, he was he was one of the game ball winners on offense, and he had an outstanding game. And how did you feel that John Jenkins did uh, against the run? He seemed to, to coming back in first first game back and, and getting some. You know, 20-some snaps, I think 25 or 26 snaps, I, I think he did. A, we just read him. We, we thought he played pretty well coming back. Did you think the first five games would be this difficult? Well, you never know. I mean, you don't go in and anticipate. Uh, you're really not surprised by anything. They're, it's always challenging to win in our league. I mean, I say that honestly. It's hard. Um, you know, and, and you learn about your team, and then quickly you, you go into – uh, making the corrections and, and trying to improve. And, and I would still say this, we're still at that early part of the season where it's going to be critical that we continue to make the improvement necessary to catch up and, and to put ourselves uh, in, in a winning position. And I think that's where we're at right now. Were you studying this road thing anymore during the bye week? Does that give you time? Have you looked at that? Yeah, I think, though, I mean, it, yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll try to look at everything. But I think the, the road thing goes into you know, playing better football. It's not so much that we're playing it somewhere else. I said this last week. We could have played the Dallas game here. We could have played it uh, Old Tulane Stadium, and the result would have been the same. The point being is I don't know that uh, generally when you're playing good football and you're able to reduce turnovers and create them and you're running the ball well, that, that travels pretty well. And if you're not, that doesn't travel well. So um, I think it's more about our team playing good football and, and playing well enough to win. I think the home and away thing um, is not uh, as big a part of that as just being productive and, and understanding what wins. The fact that you're you're running the ball so well, do you think that is a, you know, averaging over five yards a carry, do you think that is a real cause for optimism moving forward that gives you a chance in a lot of these games? Well, listen, it's it's encouraging because it's been a point of emphasis, and I think that, I think that, uh, look, yesterday was a case in point. It wasn't the four minute, obviously, it was a, an overtime situation, but you know, there's an attrition with the run game that oftentimes takes place, and then really uh, reveals itself later in games. And, and I felt like yesterday's was a good example of that. And I think that's uh, an important component to winning, and it has been when we've been real good here. You said you were hoping to get maybe guys back that were nicked up yesterday. We'll see where they're Jimmy at. Jimmy Graham. Is, we'll see. Yeah. Sean, yesterday, um, Junior said that on the sack he had, he and Junior, he and uh, Cam had talked before the play that if he talks about the pass, Cam's going to go to the outside. Do you find that there's a lot more communication going on between play between the players as opposed to when they come to the sideline when they're, when they're off the on the field? Or is it I don't know that that's anything. I mean, I, in other words, there's, there's assignments and how we rush. There's There's assignments as to what we're supposed to do. Um, you know, we did a few of those things well. We missed a couple yesterday as well, you know, with regards to handle informations. I got a variety of answers to this in the locker room. Um, as you go into the bye week, do you extenuate the positive or do you dwell on the negative from the first five weeks? I, I think from a teaching standpoint, we really try to, uh, we try to look at both. I mean, I don't know that we dwell. Uh, I, I think we try to look at where we got to be better and and one of the messages today was hey make sure when we're looking at the tape we're looking at it with the same uh, fine eye we looked at it with last Monday in other words a very uh, uh, critical critical perspective as to how we can be better uh, not only players but coaches as well how, how can we uh, correct these things that we're seeing I think one of the things that offset the turnover differential yesterday we went into the game and we knew the crew we were seeing was was at the top of the league with regards to penalties called. And I think the thing that offset the minus two in the giveaway takeaway area was the penalties and I think the amount of penalties. And then when you take Tampa's penalties and you looked at yardage negated, it was well over 150 yards negated because of penalties. And I think then all of a sudden that pendulum swung, swung back to a kind of an even keel. If that doesn't swing in our favor, we lose that game. Uh, if, if the turnovers don't swing against us, I think we win that game, uh, not needing overtime. So I think when you see the pen penalty yards dif differential and you're able to calculate those, that was pretty substantial. Do you ever I notice a difference between players that went to a big time football college versus a guy like Kyrie, who probably never played in front of more than a few thousand people before he got to the NFL? 
Um, well, you, you you might notice it early uh, in the rookie season, certain things they'd, they'd be accustomed to or used to, but very quickly you begin to just see, you know, jersey numbers in, in players. Um, his transition wasn't smooth initially. You know, he went through obviously a, a workout camp and then the off season, and fortunately he got to training camp. When the pads came on for him, he became a much different player than we envisioned. Uh, just in regards to his style, I would say I, I, I don't know that we saw. Well, it's hard to see when you're not in pads, but you know he's a physical runner, and it was hard to see that at all. So, uh, but you get all sorts of impressions, and it varies. So on his winning run yesterday, to the face penalty. It seems like through five weeks that, it, that it's overkill. Do you agree? With this? Man, I, well, it doesn't matter what, what I think. I think that it's tough quickly to make those calls. For instance, Junior's call. Um, the only thing we can do is really profile the crew. And the one thing we did know when we when we profiled these guys on Friday was uh, there's a crew that's tops in the league with penalties called, and then there's a distant gap between second, third, fourth, and fifth. And, and that's the case this year. And we were we had that crew yesterday. So that was a big point of emphasis with regards to, you name the penalty, holding. They were calling two times as many as the average crews across the league. Uh, unnecessary, I mean, you pick it and they were double. And so we knew going in that was gonna be the type of game. Uh, and yet some of those are tough calls and, and I'm sure tough to make. Well, we scout them out. I don't know that we adjust the play, but we become aware of, hey, these, this is something that they really look closely at. Uh, every once in a while, you'll get something statistically that'll just jump out at you. But we'll profile the crew. We'll profile last year's numbers with that crew. We'll profile this year's numbers with that crew. And then the head referee, uh, his history. And so there's a three-page report we do on Fridays. Talk to a lot of the players about how important it is to get away from football for a few days during the bye week and how they recharge mentally. Uh, a lot of them said they're, they're with their families. What about the coaches as well? Does that does that apply to you guys too? And, I think so. I think, look, for, for, all, for all of us, uh, you know, it's a, a short window uh, and, and really since training camp, you're kind of going, 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 preseason games, final cuts into the start of the regular season. Um, you know, when that buy falls, you know, again, you can't control, but uh, I think it does allow that. The overtime rule worked to your advantage yesterday. Do you think it's the best way to, to do it? Well, I don't know that it, it worked to our advantage. In other words, the old rule would have ended that way. Um, to our advantage would have been they won the toss, kicked a field goal, we got the ball back, and, and then marched down the field and scored or tied it up. Uh, I don't know. Since that change has been made, which was after the NFC Championship game, uh, I, I was kind of a proponent of what what was the current rule, or the old rule, excuse me. Um, but nonetheless, yesterday, though, we were able to uh, put together a drive and score a touchdown and, and really uh, not leave it to chance. But I think statistically, when you look at it, I, I don't know that much has changed. Even though the rule has, I don't know that uh, it really has impacted uh, the game the way I think the committee thought did, it would. Did you reach a point where a dilemma was starting to occur to, to sort of settle for, not settle, but take the field no, and not take aggressive? No, that's a different, that situation exists more under the old rule. Yeah. And then you're looking at where you're at, what hash mark, how long is the field goal. But under the new rule, I, I think, look, you're looking to put together a drive and score a touchdown. and because then it's sudden death. If not, it's not sudden death, and you give them an opportunity. On the last run um, by Kyra, there was a point where two safeties came up to try to uh, tackle him, and um, a lot of people... I thought we had good effort. Yeah, you saw You saw when you guys will see it, you'll you see, uh, I mentioned Jari, you see a, a, a ton of effort. Uh, when I say the second level, past the initial line of scrimmage, and it was hard for me initially from the sidelines because you get blinded by the bodies, and then, you know, he's... He being Kyrie is someone that really can get his pad levels down, pad level down, and and uh, and leverage through some of those tackles, and, and actually almost piggyback off of some of the blocks he was getting. But uh, it was an impressive run. Sean Corey White said he knows he's getting picked on by opposing offenses. How do you balance leaving him out there versus maybe giving him a little kind of help for a young player? Do you well, I think it's it's right? back and forth. I think that um, look, he's played well. Uh, you know, there's some. 
there's some underneath throws and obviously some throws that you know you go back and you and you grade in man to man, but it's it's really that decision as to run or pass. You know, if you're deciding to defend run, you're probably knowing that you're going to have some single coverage or at least uh, a little bit more of an island than than it would be if there's safety help over the top. So you kind of go back and forth with that and. and you know, you try to be good in your disguise. All right. We will probably not hear from Coach Payton until next week when the Saints get back to work after a bye this upcoming weekend. Pelicans basketball tonight versus the Atlanta Hawks. Training camp continues. This will be preseason game number two. One of the more intriguing things about training camp in the preseason is learning a little bit more about those players trying to fight their way into the NBA. One of them on the currently on the Pelicans roster is Vernon Macklin, the Florida product is our guest when we come back. Stay up to date on the latest breaking New Orleans Saints news by downloading the team's official app presented by Verizon. Check out the 2014 schedule, league standings, and statistics. Plus, have access to watch live press conferences with Coach John Payton and players while reliving your favorite Saints moments. The Saints app makes the perfect game day companion with a detailed map of the Mercedes-Benz Superdome highlighting the facility's amenities. The free New Orleans Saints app presented by Verizon is available to download on iTunes and Google Play. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black and Blue Report jumps to Atlanta where the Pelicans are getting ready for preseason game number two tonight against the Atlanta Hawks. And time to learn a little bit more about, well, I guess the pride of Portsmouth, Virginia. That's Vernon Macklin. Hello, sir. What's going on? What's going on? Is that, is, I know that's where you were what? You were born, but is that where you're from too? Yes, sir. Born and raised, Portsmouth, Virginia. What should I know about that town? I guess I've never been there before. Uh, I mean, it's not really much to know. We're a small city. Um, we're, we're really close to you know Virginia Beach and Hampton and Newport News. They're the major cities everybody know about. But uh, we're up and coming, man. Uh, you're not too far from where you started your college ball, right? You began at Georgetown. Tell me the story. Uh, you know, I went to Georgetown um, because, you know, Alonzo Mourning, Alan Harrison, those guys from my area, and uh, I played for Boo Williams, the same guy they played for. So I wanted to be close to home. I had family problems, so I went to Georgetown, but I realized it wasn't the place for me. And then off to Florida, right? Yes, sir. Had to be a Gator. Did you and Patrick Young cross paths there? Yes, my senior year was his freshman year, so, yeah, he was my freshman. Uh, so, um, you know, it's great actually being able to see him again and play with him again because, you know, like he's like a sponge. He learns a lot, and I'm seeing him doing, he's doing the same thing here in the NBA, learning from AD and those guys. So it's a great situation to see him in. He's always smiling. Does Patrick ever get upset about anything? Uh, I asked him that. I was like, as big as you are, man, you need to put a frown on your face sometimes. It scares people. But, you know, he's a happy guy. He's happy to be here, and he's happy to, you know, be in the position he's in. So he likes to smile a lot. This sport can take you just about anywhere on the planet now. What was it, China last year, and what was that like? Uh, China was pretty cool. It was a different experience for me, you know, uh, different kinds of food I had to try. Um, it's far from home. The time difference is really different. Uh, but it, it was a great location, and it was a great situation for me and my family. Does a guy of your size stick out a little bit over there? Uh, I actually thought I was until I got there and seen a lot of the Chinese players, a lot of real tall guys over there. I had a guy on my team that was actually 7'1", you know, so I had to play some four spot with the guys, a lot of tall guys over there. So there's more Yao Mings than I'm realizing, huh? Yes, it is. There's actually a lot of those guys up and coming as well, so uh, it's some big guys in China. How's the game played over there? Is it the same? Is basketball the same, or is it a different style? Uh, it's different. The only um, difference is I would say uh, the, the pace is not as fast unless the Americans on the court. But the different situation is, you know, only one American can play one quarter, the other American play the second quarter, and third and fourth you play together. So that's the only big difference that's also kind of tough for you. It's a unique rule, isn't it? Yeah, it's really unique. It's just uh, tough if you're the second American that plays because you got to sit down the whole 12 minutes and then come off uh, and play right away. So. You got a chance here to be in the NBA this upcoming season with the camp invite here from the Pelicans. Can you let people know or give them some idea of how that process begins as far as getting 
into uh, into the situation? Uh, it, it was a great process. You know, when my agent gave me the phone call, you know, I was really excited, you know, to be have a chance to come back to training camp. And also being here with, like, AD and Ryan and those guys and learning from these guys helped me out a lot too. So, you know, as of right now, I'm still trying to make the team and make any other team that, that I can, you know. So I'm going to go here and play hard and listen to the coaches, listen to the players. So I like the situation. I just want to keep on working hard. You've been through camps, preseasons practices, everything else. What's unique about this group that maybe is different than what you've been through before? Uh, this is a really smart group. I don't know if because, you know, Coach Monty is as smart as he is, one of the smartest coaches I've seen. So the way he got these players, you know, um, they're just smart. You know, they help each other out and, and, and they, they learn and ban off each other. So I like the way it's going on. Whether it be football or baseball, with their spring training or, or even here in the NBA preseason, it seems like guys who are trying to make their way and trying to find the spot in this league have that difficult balance between showing their wares, if you will, and maybe pressing to do too much. How have you been able to find that balance? Um, I just wanted to first, I just wanted to come in and learn. So basically, I wasn't trying to do too much. I just wanted to, I didn't want to go out there and rush to anything. I just want to listen to guys and watch guys and do what the guy in front of me did. So I'm, I don't uh, think too far ahead or try to do too much because that, that's the bad way to, to start your season off. Is there something that you bring to the table that I should be aware of that you're hoping you'll show during camp? Uh, yes, sir. You know, uh, running the floor, helping my teammates out. And also, I love being a great teammate on and off the court. So those things would be great. And also, I can rebound pretty well. What about tonight? Would you like to get in there tonight against Atlanta? Yes, sir. I would love to get in. You know, I'm going uh, to stay ready and, you know, watch the game and listen to the coaching staff and listen to the players in front of me. All the best. Thanks for getting to know you a little bit. Thank you. Yep. Vernon Macklin with us here on the Black and Blue Report. The Pelicans and Hawks tonight from Atlanta. We'll continue in just a moment. Let's get the ball rolling for a thrilling time at the Sanderson Farms Championship PGA Golf Tournament, November 3rd through 9th at the Country Club of Jackson. For lots of first-class golf and fan-pleasing fun, join us for the Sanderson Farms Championship. It'll be quite a ride, unless you're chicken. For ticket information, visit www.sandersonfarmschampionship.com. Lotto is all across Louisiana with cash jackpot starting at $250,000. That's a whole lot of cash. From the neon lights of Shreveport, Bossier City to the banks of Grand Isle, Lotto is your game. It doesn't leave the state and there's nothing like it anywhere else. It's Louisiana fun just for Louisiana. Lotto, it's a whole lot of cash. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. Pelicans back in action tonight against the Atlanta Hawks. That's a 6.30 tip time at Phillips Arena in Atlanta, where we come to you uh, today here on the Black and Blue Report. Preseason game number two. The Pelicans will be looking to go 2-0 on the preseason. As we mentioned at the top of the show, the uh, Pelicans uh, looked pretty good on uh, Saturday night when they beat the Miami Heat up in Louisville. And to help us get ready for tonight's game, Let's look back and uh, catch some of the highlights from the radio broadcast Saturday versus the Heat. Holiday dribbles over to the right front court. Looking good on those surgically repaired legs. Gives it up to Oshik. Throws front court right for Gordon. Bounce to the left hand twice. Throws wing right for Davis. Drive the rim and dunks it home with the right hand. Anthony Davis putting on a show early here so far. Reset with Luau Dang up top. He'll take Babbitt down the lane. Rises. That shot's flat. Off the rim. Rebounded by Withy. Outlet pass to Fredette. Up the center of the floor. Goes wing left for Anderson. Quarter left for Rivers. Tees it up for three. Got it. And the Pelicans have tied the ball game at 30. There's the three-point shot here in the second quarter that's come into play for New Orleans. And Miami calls for a timeout. Miller up the floor to Fredette, angle right for another three. That's off the rim gently, no good. Rebound in the air, put back up in one motion by Patrick Young. Second chance bucket, that's six second chance points now for the Pelicans. And Patrick Young for this first bucket in the preseason. 49-40 Pelicans. Here's Miller, rising elbow right, jumper for 15, no good. Rebound tip to Smith, catches, goes up and lays it in. How do you think it was an ACC game in here? Crowd goes nuts. As Russ Smith scores his first. 57-54. 
Schlein, wing right for Fredette, drives the elbow, shoots off the left foot. Good, Jimmer Fredette showing us a little something here tonight. He now leads all bench scorers in the game with 14. Two more than Babbitt and Anderson, two more than Williams on the Miami side. Fredette running point here. Rivers cuts from underneath, catches elbow left, skip pass, quarter right, Babbitt for three. Got it. 13 three-pointers to Miami's four. Pretty good advantage in that department for the Pelicans, who lead it 81-74. Here's Rivers from the top of the floor. Drive and kick to Smith. Corner left three. Got it. What a night for Smith. 12 for Russ Smith in 12 minutes of play. And they love it in Louisville. And with that, we'll remind you that in New Orleans tonight, the radio broadcast will be on 1350 AM. That's 3 WL, 1350 AM. The Sean Payton Radio Show will be on the WWL AM and FM side. That's 870 AM and 1053 FM. Many of you in the metro area of New Orleans can also catch the ball game tonight on 100.3 FM. And otherwise, uh, we'll uh, offer you the radio broadcast on the Pelicans app, available through your mobile device within the uh, listening area of New Orleans. You can also check out pelicans.com for a listing of the affiliate in your area for tonight's basketball broadcast, Pelicans and Hawks. Thanks to Vernon Macklin today, Sean Payton too, John DeShazer, Cam Jordan, and Kyrie Robinson all for sharing on the Black and Blue Report today. Hope you're enjoying this Monday, a winning Monday here for both of our teams. And we'll look forward to another win hopefully tonight for the Pelicans and a visit with you tomorrow right here on the Black and Blue Report. Daniel Salerson will be your host from Studio B. And until the next time, I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report. We'll